Well, uh, open your Bibles this morning and uh, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, which uh, comes right after uh, Proverbs. And uh, let's, uh, let's have some wisdom this morning. You know, uh, Solomon <clears throat> had great wisdom, and uh, we are grateful for his writings uh, in the Proverbs. We realize that he was even an authority on wisdom, but he was also an authority on love, Song of Solomon, and he was an authority on foolishness, the book of Ecclesiastes where he explains how not to be foolish, but to be wise. How many of you find that the older you get, the more you appreciate wisdom? Wisdom. And the more we know that wisdom is more than knowledge, wisdom is a special gift from God. You know, I've got a very simple definition for wisdom that I picked up somewhere along the line, which is simply... Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Pretty important, huh? Because it's easy to see life from our perspective and the way we like to understand things or pick up the perspective of other people. But to really see life from God's perspective, how very important that is. Now, there is a verse here, chapter 10, verse 10, which has... It's, a, it's really a fountainhead for wisdom in so many areas of life. We're going to use it for a specific focus this morning. But it really is a, a principle of life that applies in so many different ways. Acts, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, More strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Is that wisdom? Absolutely. How many of you have worn yourself out with a dull axe at some time in your life? It may be literally. I mean, some of us have done some chopping in our times. There's not many of us use firewood anymore. I remember as a kid when we used to to, uh, split logs and... uh, uh, prepare the, the wood for the fire and how important it was to have a good axe and to have a sharp axe. And I don't think that it's nearly as much a part of our culture today, but it's an obvious principle that we need to sharpen our tools. And we need to be sharp as God's tool in order to be effective. What happens when you try to use a dull axe? Well, you wear yourself out. You fail to accomplish what you could accomplish with a properly prepared tool. Now, the older we get, uh, the less sharp we feel in the axe department, right? Like uh, I've been preparing the last few weeks for this trip to Argentina. And let me tell you, I'm a wimp when it comes to international travel. I'm grateful to to get there and to do what needs to be done. It's an honor and a privilege to serve with brothers and sisters in Christ in various places and countries. But the whole traveling process, you know, it just wears me out. Ginger's a much better traveler than I am, by the way. And uh, I always struggle with it. And that's one reason that 
God's given her as my partner. She always encourages me and helps me to get ready and helps me to see the 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 importance and the, the you know of, of the trips that I'm supposed to be taking. But anyway, <clears throat> preparing for this trip, not looking forward to you know 12 hours a flight between Dallas and Argentina and having to fly overnight and to get there tired. And uh, I have been reading a little bit about the Argentinian culture. Do you know there's no political correctness in Argentina? Uh, If they like you, they're probably going to call you uh, fatso or uh, idiot. I mean, it's just uh, part of the culture. And uh, they warn Americans not to uh, to wear anything or display anything that's British because of the long uh, cultural aversion that the Argentinians have for England. But it's a, it's a special challenge wherever you go and whatever you do. And sometimes when I face a trip like this, I think, Lord, why don't you send a, a younger axe, a sharper axe on a mission like this? But if you're the axe he wants to use, what do you need to do? You need to sharpen up. You need to focus on what He wants you to do. And you need to be available and to be uh, faithful to respond. And so we all struggle at times with the challenges that are before us. But we realize that this is certainly God's plan and God's way. I heard a story about uh, an axe, a man who was learning to use his axe properly, a young man who uh, went to be a logger at a logging camp, and the boss said, well, you can have a job here if you can keep up with the old man. And uh, he was a young and very uh, strong worker and just bought a new axe, and so he looked at this old man, and he was sure he could keep up with the old man. And so first day he gets out there, and in his strength and his energy, he chops and chops and out chops the old man by a whole bunch. Well, the next day came and he noticed that the old man had different behaviors. I mean, he would chop hard for a couple hours and he would stop and he would meticulously sharpen his axe. And while he was sharpening his axe, he would get a little rest and then he would continue. Well, the first few days, the young man just kept swinging that axe harder and harder trying to chop as much wood as he could. But as the axe became dull, he wore himself out and his productivity fell off. And by the end of the week, the old man, with his steady pace and his sharp axe, was producing a lot more wood than the young man. And so the boss said, unless you learn to work like he does, you've got no future in this company. You think about how youth in the zeal and the the confidence of youth, how if we lack the wisdom to take care of our tools and to pace ourselves in the right way, we cannot be successful in the work that we're called to. How many of you appreciate uh, those in your lives that have the wisdom and the skill to be faithful and to be helpful you know, uh, when I've got a problem or trouble, the last, the last thing I want to do is turn my problem over to someone that has a dull axe. How about you? I want somebody that's sharp, somebody that's uh, skillful, somebody that's uh, committed to 
the kind of expert service that's needed. Well, turn with me now to the spiritual application of this in Hebrews, the second chapter. How important is it for us to to live in such a way as Christians that we truly maintain that cutting edge? Here there is another comparison. Here, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Wow. Now there's an exhortation. To pay careful attention to what we heard, what we know is true, lest we drift away. And so the wisdom that tells us it's important to keep our acts sharp also tells us as Christians, we need to stay focused on the priorities that God has for us lest we drift away. How many of you know that it's, uh, it's possible as a Christian to even be involved in a church attendance and Christian activity and because we're not really focused, because it's not really our priority, we can begin to drift away. You know, that's what, black, what backsliding is all about. The Scripture uses the term backsliding to describe that process of instead of advancing forward, moving ahead in our relationship with God, we fall back, we slide back because of a lack of commitment, of purpose, of intentionality. And so that means we need to pay attention. It's awfully easy to fall asleep spiritually in a comfortable pew. I heard the story about a preacher who was concerned about an old gentleman in the back of the church that would fall asleep just about every service. And this continued for quite a while until the preacher got an idea that he would ask the little boy that sat nearby to keep this old man awake. And he said to him, I'll give you a nickel for every service that you keep him awake. And so the little boy sat close and he would nudge him and you know, do what he could to keep them awake. And it was working pretty well until one service, which was uh, a little longer than usual, and the man just fell fast asleep, was almost snoring. And so the preacher talked to the little boy afterwards, and he said, well, you know, I, I, I can't give you your nickel because uh, you didn't do your job. What happened? He says, well, the old man gave me a quarter to leave him alone. <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that a picture of life? And how, isn't it nice to come to a comfortable church and just enjoy ourselves and to rest? And that's good for us to feel comfortable and to rest in the presence of God. But in terms of our, our relationship with God, our call to be disciples, to take up His cross daily, the challenge for us to stay focused to stay serious, to stay committed. You know, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Disciple means taught one to keep on learning, to keep on following. And God help us, helps us to keep that very specific focus. Now, 
Be careful to pay attention to the things that you heard that you know are true, lest you drift away. You know, drifting away is a dangerous thing. You know, I, I uh, am out in California pretty often, and I hear these stories of people who drown because they simply drift away. Not paying attention, they get caught up in a current that pulls them away from the, 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 the coastline, and it's only a matter of time until they're in a place where they're beyond their ability to come back. And uh, there's a lot of uh, effort by the lifeguards and <clears throat> the different safety organizations to warn people about these, uh, these tides, undercurrents, and how it's so easy to drift away without uh, realizing it. We realize that, you know, in our lives there are lots of currents that will pull us different directions. We can so easily drift away, lose our place, lose our security, and find ourselves in a very dangerous uh, predicament. <clears throat> now, I want us to turn now to a scripture that really shows us how we can stay sharp, how we can keep from drifting. Revelation, the second chapter, gives us very practical instruction. As the apostle is, is sharing what Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, and he explains how they need to be careful not to drift away from their intimate relationship with Christ. Revelation chapter 2. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Who is? These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I know your deeds. Now, who knows us better than Jesus knows us? Jesus knows us. Everything about us. It says, and here he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, I know your hard work, your perseverance, and I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? But there's something more important that he brings before them. Yet I hold this against you, that you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. Such an important word to wake up and realize your need to maintain that vital loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Here these Ephesians were commended for their faithfulness, their hard work, their <clears throat> Their commitment to righteousness. They did not tolerate sin. And their discernment that they were actually able to test their leadership and determine who were the true apostles and who were not. But Jesus is saying, regardless of, of all of those good things, you have drifted from intimacy with me. And so you need to stop 
you need to remember the importance of that loving relationship. You need to repent of your behavior and return to the kind of intimate, personal, passionate relationship that was yours in the beginning. Now, historians tell us that the Ephesian church at this time was really a second generation church. And we had two problems with people that were losing their love in that the old timers who were content with just things, the status quo, just same old, same old, which is a tendency we have as we get older. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to be challenged. And then the young generation that had heard the truth and knew the way, but did not have the passion and the vision and the drive to move forward. And what a description of the church, generation to generation, and how important it is for us to be stirred up, to be encouraged, to realize that it's the passionate love relationship that God really wants. You know, that love from time to time is tested. I heard the story about a church in Romania where the Christians had gathered and the Nazis were coming in and they were beginning to forbid any public assembly, even church assemblies, without the sanction of of the state. And here these Christians were gathering for worship and suddenly they realized that Nazis were coming in the doors and surrounding the congregation with their guns. And then the leader of the Nazis spoke in a very threatening voice that they were they had come to 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 destroy this assembly and that they wanted to first find out if if there were any there that really weren't Christians that were just visiting and that they would be allowed to leave well instantly a number of people left the assembly and as the Christians were standing there in in great fear, realizing that their lives could be taken because of their faith. As soon as the last non-believer or uncertain person left the room, the Nazis lowered their guns and said, we're Christians. (laughs) We want to worship with you. And we needed the safety of knowing that those of you that were here would be able to protect us. What a test. What if that happened to us this morning? Could there be persecution of the church again? Realize this, there's persecution of the church in many parts of the world, greater persecution than any time in history. Could it happen here in our country in this day and age? It seems very unlikely. But the importance of the test is still the same. What if that happened at Faith Chapel this morning? If suddenly we were faced with the decision to stand for Christ or to scurry away, to admit and confess His Lordship of our lives or to deny Him. Well, how how important it is for us to daily be tested. Realize this. Do you know that every day that we are tested by those who see us, those who question our faith, those who want to see something different in us because we say that we are Christians? What did Jesus say about denying Him? Or what? Being 
faithful to him in our witness. He says that those who confess him before others, he will confess before the Father. He also said those who deny him before others, he would deny before his Father. Well, I want us to focus on uh, three words from this passage that tell us how to stay sharp, not to drift, to recover our passion. It's very simple, very powerful from this passage. The first word is right from our text, the word remember. How do we, how do we return to our first love? Well, we've got to stop and remember our first love. Stop thinking about ourselves and our issues and our circumstances and all in our life that we want to maintain and just think about Him. Remember who He is. Remember how much He loves us. Remember what He has sacrificed for us. Remember the purpose that He has given us in living for Him. I don't know about you, but it's helpful for me at times when I find myself drifting to remember the cross, to remember what Jesus paid for my sin, to remember that without the cross and God's gift through the cross of salvation, I would be lost. Can I ask you, where would you be today without Christ? Much less, where would you be for eternity? To stop and remember what God has done. Remember the cross. Remember God's purpose. You know, I stop and think back at all of the blessings, the answers to prayer, all the help, all the wonderful things that God has done. I think about where I would be now without Christ. And you know what? The passion begins to, begins to grow in my heart. I begin to feel more intimate, more loving, more grateful towards Him. So that re remembering is so important. You know what? If we don't remember, we grow dull. We lose our appreciation. We must remember and continuously remember. That's why remembering is so important as we read God's Word, as we go to church, as we stop to focus on Him, to think about what He's... Second, we need to repent. That is to turn back to the things that we know are right through repentance. What is repentance? It's simply to change direction. How do we repent? Well, first of all, we need to agree with God about our sin. What keeps us from repentance? Well, we have in our own minds developed some kind of a, of a defense regarding our behavior or our attitude, which is not pleasing to God. We've got to stop and we've got to agree with God. How is you know, how do we define sin? Guess what? God's definition of sin may not be the same as your definition of sin. How many of you know it's more important to agree with God's definition of what's right and what's wrong? We've got to do it. How many of you know that you can't, if, if you're doing something in your life that's questionable, you can't go to your friends and ask them to vote on it. Is this right or is this wrong? Ask God, God will convict you of sin, God will convince you of righteousness. How many of you know that all of your friends could vote that something is okay and you know in your heart that it's wrong for you? And so you do what? You repent. You do what God says you to do. So you agree with God. You confess your sin. And then to repent, you need to change your behavior. 
Not just to feel sorry for your sin. Not just to confess that you're going to change, but to actually change your behavior. Where we realize that God wants us to stop doing the things that we know that are wrong and begin doing the things that we know are right. The third word is from this text is to return. We remember, we repent, and now we return to those things that we know that are right. How many of you are sure that you know more than you do in terms of your relationship with God? Is that always true? If you stop and you think, now what is it that God would really have me doing? You, we all know. We know that we need to pray more. We need to study His Word more. We need to be more bold in our witness. We need to be more available to serve. We need to be more generous with our money and our time. We know, guess what? If we just start doing the things that we know are right, return to the patterns of behavior we know are right, we'll find that God has a way of stirring up our passion and our zeal and our desire to be faithful. What a wonderful thing that that truly is. James uh, teaches very directly in his book that we may say that we believe, but God wants us to show through our works, through our obedience, that faith without works is dead. If we say that we believe, then we need to show by our actions. And so God helps us to Return to that first love. So how do we get sharp again? (laughs) How do we get out of the drift? We just do what we already know to do in terms of getting close to the Lord. I uh, I, I remember uh, many years ago when we were just starting uh, the work at Hope Christian School and uh, Bobby's class. And Bobby used to teach uh, civics officially, but she taught Jesus as her primary reason for being there. And I'll never forget, I passed by her room one day and I saw on her blackboard, it simply said, if you're not feeling very close to God today, guess who moved? I got convicted over that because I wasn't feeling very close to God at that. Isn't that a very practical, important consideration? If you're not feeling close to God, it's not the problem isn't with God. The problem is with you, with me, with us. So what do we need to do? We need to we need to what? Remember? We need to repent. <laughs> we need to return. God will help us to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and Lord, Lord, we 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 may feel so dull. Lord, we may feel like a dull axe that's useless right now, God. We may feel like we're even drifting, oh God, but Lord, you give us grace to help us return to the things which are so very important. Oh God, stir us up. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to see that you desire that we would, Lord, even in this hour, oh God, that we would turn to you, that you would soften our hearts. We would get our priorities right. And Lord, we would... Recommit ourselves, O oh God, to the, the kind of passionate discipleship that you've called us to. Thank you, O oh God. Please stand with me this morning and as the worship team prepares to lead us, just prepare your heart.
to say yes to God, whatever he would uh, speak to you this morning in terms of his relationship with you. Billy Graham used to always sing the end of his crusades. He would sing, Just As I Am. And then his son Franklin came along. He made popular this other version of the same thought. And this song is entitled, Come Just As You Are. Come just as you realize this morning that we're standing before God would you just bow your head and close your eyes and just think for a moment would you would you just answer this question do you feel in your heart that you have grown cold that you need to be stirred that you really want God to warm your heart to a new beginning if that's the desire of your heart I just want to pray for you pray with you right now Lord, you know that heart this morning that's feeling cold, that person who may feel that they're drifting, oh God. Lord, we ask you just to take hold in a new way, oh God. As that person reaches out to you and says, yes, oh God, we just pray for a new beginning, oh God, a new beginning. Lord, help them to remember and help them to repent and return and help them, oh God, to know that, Lord, that... You love them as much as you ever have and that, Lord, you want to give them the grace and the mercy and the strength that they need to live for you dynamically today, O oh God. Thank you for your help. Lord, we pray for others this morning, Lord, especially for anyone here that may not know you as Savior and Lord, O oh God, and help that person, O oh God, or those persons to take a step of faith, O oh God, to come forward this morning at the end of the service, O oh God to talk and pray with us that they may be sure of their salvation. Lord, there are needs in the body this morning, those who are sick and those who need a touch, O oh God, in various ways, O oh God, those who need provision, those who need wisdom. And Lord, we just pray that you'd answer every prayer. Lord, we ask you to dismiss us this morning with your blessing and help us, O oh God, to put you first in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open if you'd like to come forward and pray. If you'd like to ask for prayer, whatever your need may be, please do so. God bless you. God keep you. God use you until we meet again.
Thank you. 